Blog Talk Radio. Guys Radio, this is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is podcast number 310. We've got a great show for you this evening. Our special guest, I'm really excited, is Adam Caton Holland. He's a, he's a comedian, he's an actor, he's a writer, and he's written a, uh, a new book called Tragedy and Time. I just read it, and it's very good, and it's about um, his ascent as a comedian, uh, and at the same time, the... Uh, the loss of his sister to suicide. So uh, irony, bittersweet, and uh, his journey along the way. And uh, had some bumps along the way and had some surprises and kind of gives you the ending you want, uh, like a good story and not the way you're expecting. So we're going to bring him out here in a couple of minutes as soon as he calls in from Colorado. He's a Rockies fan. Maybe we'll talk a little baseball too. Um, he's been on... James Corden show. I saw him on his web. If you check out his website, uh, Adam Katenholland.com. Uh, he's been on Corden show. He's been on Conan. He's had his own podcast, a series on uh, true TV called those who can't about teachers. And he's, he's just got a great comedy routine and a lot of good content and he teaches too. So he gives back. So uh, he's a guy's guy and I'm thrilled to have him on here. Um, so what's going on out there in guys, guys world? Well, this is guys, guys radio, the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. So it all started with my novel, the guys, guys, guy to love, which has been called the male sex in the city. It's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in the city that never sleeps. And it's about men. And it gives a peek behind the curtain into the world of men as told to women by a guy by a guy's guy. And from there, I started writing my own blog, which kind of was like reality imitating art because the main character in the book writes a column for a woman's magazine, a woman's publication uh, about men. And I started writing on robertmanny.com. I've been blogging for a number of years now, and a lot of the blogs are syndicated. So you can catch me there at robertmanny.com. You can catch me on my videos, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the usual suspects on social media. And from there, I wrote a uh, screenplay based on a novel. And we've been shopping it around and getting, as always in Hollywood, everybody says good things. And then sometimes things don't happen. We've got a TV series developed based on it. Pilot and treatment. Of course, everybody likes it, but we don't have a deal yet. That's just how it goes. You just got to keep plugging away and creating content and um, getting a bigger platform. So we've got Guys Guys Radio, 310 podcasts. You can catch every podcast, download on Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. So we're glad you're here. Let's talk about what's going on in the world today before we hear from our special guest, Adam Caton Holland. That's not Adam Clayton Holland. It's Adam Caton Holland. A lot of people think it's going to be Clayton because I think there was Adam Adam, it was David Clayton Thomas, the singer for Blood, Sweat, and Tears. So maybe people get that confused or they're used to hearing that. But that was way back when. Anyway, uh, this is our second show this week. We did a show last night about chronic pain. And today we're doing one about tragedy and comedy. And I hope we can get touch on both things because, uh, you know, there's a bittersweet aspect to this book. And um, I want to talk to Adam about that and have him discuss with us kind of his journey, because a lot of guys, as I like to say, a lot of guys are seeking and they're looking for something more and they have a hard time expressing themselves about what it is that bothers them and why they don't get the meaning that they're looking for out of the typical jobs and the typical paycheck and having the boss and all of that and the bills and the mortgage and the college and the kids and the dog and the poop and everything that goes with it. And a lot of guys are seeking and they're not, sometimes they're not sure how to find their way. 
And I think Adam in his book has found his way. So we're going to bring him on as soon as we hear from him. Uh, there's a hurricane uh, heading towards North Carolina, South Carolina. So if you're in that area, I hope you are leaving and batten down the hatches if you're not, because uh, it's supposed to be a doozy, the Category 4, they're saying, maybe the worst hurricane in Carolina's history. Now, we hear that kind of hype, if you will, a lot and drama. And a lot of times the hurricanes don't deliver, if you will. But supposedly this one's picking up steam and it's going to hit land um, within the next 24 hours. So we'll see what happens and uh, hope everybody takes care of themselves there. Elsewhere, uh, Apple announced their new iPhones today, and it looks pretty interesting. They've got a uh, iPhone X S and they've got, uh, let me see what they've got there. They've got an XS. They have got, let me pull up the, an X R, which is $750, and uh, it's kind of a affordable version of the X. They've got an XS for 1000 bucks, and then they've got this new one, the XS Max, for basically $1,100. They've also down, uh, discounted the iPhone 8 to 599 and the iPhone 7, they start at 450 So uh, I am the last person in the civilized world who has an iPhone 5S. <laughs> I want to see how long it would work, and I'm going on six years with it. And I've been taking all the downloads of the new software, and I always cross my fingers, and everything's been fine. Because when I had a 4, 4 or 4S, or I don't know what it was, but it was so long ago, um, eventually I took a download, and it just crushed the phone and uh, had to get a new one. So I think that's going to happen with this one because now my battery, the phone gets hot and my battery goes, just burns through all its power within a couple of uh, hours. So it's either the battery shot or the phone can't handle uh, the new software, which I, I think it may be a combination of two things, but looks like I'm going to have to trade up, but it's a perfect time to do so. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, what else is happening in the news? Listen, you know, culture is funny. We, the New York Post, here we are in New York City, the New York Post, front page of the Post today, an article on the Beatles, because Paul McCartney, I think he had an interview with Howard Stern, he was talk about it, talking about him and John Lennon kind of uh, masturbating in some group uh, way back in the 70s or before in the 60s, and uh, makes, that's 50 years ago, and it makes the front page of the New York Post says something about our culture, says something about the New York Post. Uh, but, uh, wow, I mean, that's the best we can do. I mean, really, who cares? Uh, I hope they had a good time and they got off. But uh, that's, that's kind of how culture is nowadays. It's like it's just random and anything goes. And you really have to, uh, you really have to surprise people or come at them with something really new to catch their attention uh, or be really bizarre. Um, you know, uh, when I talk about uh, – when we get Adam out here and we talk about his book, it's interesting that um, my buddy who helped write my screenplay and my TV series, Steve Armour, he stayed out in Hollywood, and um, he is now a uh, member of the Writers Guild, and he's actually scripting the new James Sanger movie. James Sanger is a pretty famous producer. He did Elephant Man and uh, some other stuff, some other films of note, and um, – he told me his, his, we have some similarities in that both of our parents, my dad had Parkinson's. He just passed. My mom has Alzheimer's. His dad had Parkinson's and just passed. His mom had Alzheimer's. She just passed. So I asked him, I saw him when I was out in California, we were visiting San Diego over the summer. I said, what, what's it like? How do you feel now? And interesting, he said, and so poignant, he said, can you imagine what it is? You wake up one day and the color, there's no color blue. So what do you do? You just have to deal with the world without the color blue. I thought that was such a beautiful way of phrasing that. And I guess when we lose, you know, I could relate to it with my dad. And I wonder how Adam feels now uh, going through his journey um, and missing his sister. So we'll see when he, he uh, reaches out. Um, I know when my dad passed, uh, I felt closure, actually. He, was, uh, he passed in February. I had some good conversations with him. I got a lot of, um, he had trouble communicating 
uh, you know, verbally, because when you're in Parkinson's, when kind of at the end of the line there, because you get to a point where you, you can't eat unless you get a feeding tube. And he didn't want that. He was like, that's enough. And, but I would talk to him and he would nod his head or he would say a few things back. And I just felt that um, we shared some final moments together, which were great. And that um, if I call upon him now, I, first of all, I know he's in a great place and I know he's happy. And secondly, I know he's preparing a place uh, for my mom's passing and crossing over whenever that happens, hopefully not soon. And, and also that if I call upon him from kind of a heartfelt space that I know he's there and I know he's looking after me and uh, it's a great feeling. I actually feel as close to him now, uh, if not closer, closer because there's no filters now. We're just kind of connected because everything is connected. And, uh, you know, they say, okay, there's no time. Everything's piled on top of each other and everything's happening at the same time. And there's all these different dimensions and it's hard to sift through all of that. I feel that I have a dialogue, if you will, with my dad when I, whenever I want that he's there and, um, I just have to be quiet and then I can kind of hear what he has to say. So, We'll see what uh, Adam has to say about that. The number here, if Adam, if you're listening, 347-945-5834, 347-945-5834, um, Guys Guys Radio. So what else is happening in the world today? I don't like to get into the whole Trump thing because uh, it's just so polarizing. And now we have another hurricane, and I just saw a thing on TV last night a bit about some of the um, FEMA money had been taken out of kind of the hurricane, if you will, funds and moved over to ICE, which is the immigration kind of grounding people up and getting them out of the country. And found that a little bit upsetting, to say the least, especially now that we're getting into hurricane season. And uh, Trump seems to think that despite the fact that we lost 2,900 people, uh, over 2,900 people, that the Puerto Rican response was a, a great success. So you can decide for yourself. And I'm sure the people who live on that beautiful island uh, are of another opinion. They just uncovered this huge pallet, gigantic pallet of water today down there. And my goodness, like wh- how could all that water be sitting there covered up and nobody knew about it and it didn't get handed out? So bizarre. When these things happen, just logic goes out the window and uh, humanity suffers when these things happen, unfortunately, in more ways than one. And there's so many heroic people who are doing everything to help. And yet, yet there's so, so many blunders and it happens every time, you know, we just had nine 11 uh, remembrance yesterday here in New York city. And uh, you know, people talk about Giuliani did such a great job with it, but he was warned repeatedly about moving the headquarters out of the World Trade Center, uh, and uh, he didn't. And uh, that turned out to be a big problem because that got knocked out. So uh, communication was very difficult at that time. Uh, he did get out there right away. He got right into the mix. Um, but a lot of people argue that he leveraged it for his own brand name, if you will. So not a good thing. And that's why we, it's always these events happen and you get one story and the truth might be a little bit different. And then it was like before it was, we have to get these terrorists. And then we find out years later, no, it wasn't Iraq. It was some Saudis and we end up invading Iraq and then we get a mess on our hand. And then the economy suffers because we had to borrow money to pay for that invasion. And and then the whole Middle East kind of collapses and is a big mess now because we've got the whole quagmire in Syria. And it's just an endless pit of misery there. So anyhow, this is Guys Guys Radio. We're waiting for our special guest, Adam Caton Holland, to call in. The number is 347-945-5834. 347-945-5834. I'm going to take a momentary break. I'm going to reach out to uh, Adam's publicist and uh, see where he is and if he's going to be calling in right away. So let's take a break. And this is Guys Guys Radio uh, on Blog Talk Radio. 
and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Guys Guy Radio. Adam? Hey, it's uh, Robert Manny. How you doing? All right. I'm actually waiting for you to, you're supposed to call into my show. Are you going to do that or what? No, I, uh, no, well, your, your publicist sent that to me and I said, no, that's, that the date is right. But he calls into the show like everybody else. And I sent her the number, both of them. Uh, Megan and and somebody else, Sheeta or whatever, two of them. So why don't you give me a call? Yeah. So why don't you, uh, we can, uh, I, you know, it's a podcast. So everybody listens afterwards. Anyhow, why don't you call in now? I'll have my producer cut out the bit and let me give you the number because I love your work. I love what you're doing. And I think we'll have a blast. No, no, no. I figured this happened. So, okay. Three, four, seven, nine, four, five. 
347-945-5834. Call in, follow the prompts to talk to the host, and I'll, I'll put you right through. Okay, so here we are on Guys Guys Radio. Um, we had a little hiccup, but we're going to uh, put it all together, and we've got our special guest, Adam Caton Holland. So let me tell you a little bit about Adam. I had mentioned to you that he has a book. It's called Tragedy and Time, and it's like a tragic comic memoir. Adam is a very talented guy. He's a national touring comic. He's appeared on Conan, as I had mentioned. I saw him Conan. I saw him on James Corden, uh, Midnight, The Meltdown with Jonah and Camille. Happy Endings, Deadbeat, Flophouse, Hidden America. He's got uh, he's a, a member of a uh, Grawlix a comedy troupe. He's got a couple of albums. Uh, Adam Caton uh, Holland performs his signature bits. I don't know if I Happy and Backyards. And he also has a uh, podcast uh, at my uh, living room table, I think it is, uh, at my dining room table. And um, his website's Adam Clayton, Adam Caton, excuse me. KatenHolland.com. So he lives in Denver, Colorado. He's a Rockies fan. And uh, let's get him on here. We'll talk some baseball. We'll talk about his book. And we'll talk about comedy. Adam, how are you? Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry about the hiccup there, but uh, happy to be out. No worries. No worries. Thrilled to have you. I know I saw the the biggest thing that I, first of all, you killed on Corden. And you killed on Conan. Oh, thanks. Terrific. Uh, I have a good friend of mine, uh, Brad Zimmerman. He's got a one-man show called uh, My Son the Waiter, A Jewish Tragedy. And I keep telling him he's touring <laughs> with it. He's touring with it now. And I said, you gotta, you've got to do your five, four to five-minute bit because it really gets a lot of exposure, and it's not easy to do. And, uh, but when you nail it, you nail it. And i got to tell you, man, I watch a lot of comics, and I think your timing is spectacular. And it's, comedy is about timing. I mean, right? You teach. Yeah, it's a huge part of it for sure. Thank you. Um, so let's let's talk about the book, and then we'll get into you know maybe we'll talk Rockies or whatever. But um, now the you're book talking. Is fa- <laughs> well, it's interesting. I was just out, and I'm a Yankees fan, diehard Yankees fan. I was just out in San Diego visiting some family, and we're looking around out there because I'm kind of had it with New York after being here like 25 plus years. There's, there's nothing. I, I, there's almost nothing I haven't done yet. I haven't become gay yet but uh everything else is pretty much <laughs> and, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that but i just haven't done it yet so uh so we're out in san diego <laughs> we're out in san diego and i'm i'm doing blogging on it now because there's you know there's la and new york and then there's san diego and new york and it's a whole san diego and la are completely different san diego's like the west coast was in the you know 70s and la is there's so many ex new yorkers there that it's not that different there's, there's anxiety there it's an industry town and new york's still of anxiety <laughs> but when you when you go south and correct me if i'm wrong it's people just want to hang out they've got on those beach shirts they've got the trucker hat they've got surfboards and it's like hey chill so you go to a padres game petco park incredibly beautiful park and everybody's you know they had a uh, they've only played the angels uh one this is the second time they played the angels at petco park so i figured promotional night they're wearing the 1991 old tony Gwynn uniforms i figured okay oh yeah this place is going to be packed i walked up to the ticket booth i said my son's first game he's five years old can you pick out some good seats for us 35 bucks great seats nobody in the stadium half of them were angel fans <laughs> You could hear you could hear people swallowing with their beer. Where you go to Yankee Stadium, yeah. who, they're playing the Devil Rays or something, and people get upset at everything. They're screaming at every single pitch, yeah. and it's a, just a whole different vibe. So what's it like? What's there. it like for the for the Rockies? <laughs> the Rockies are in first now. They are in first. We're in the middle of a pennant race, and it's like every game matters. I got no fingernails left. It's been <laughs> a hell of a season. Um, 
I start, I'm from here. My dad's been a season ticket holder since 93 when they started. Wow. So this is the 25th anniversary season. So he and I suffered through a lot of terrible baseball. Like the Rockies were a punchline for a long time. But right. they've gotten their stuff together. Like the last couple of years, got a new GM, and they're playing really good, fun baseball. So, I mean, to be in it in September in Colorado, it's like the best. I'm so I'm – it's not like the Yankees were like, we expect this and demand this. Right. It's more mm-hmm. like, oh, this is nice. So we're all, we're real happy out here these days. And, and what's the stadium like? Because, you know, I went to Petco Park and I was like, <gasps> I was in heaven. It was so beautiful. And the new Yankee Petco's Stadium gorgeous. is nice. But Petco is unbelievable. And I, how's Coors Field? Coors Field's really nice. It's built by the same people that built um, the Baltimore, Camden Yards. So it's mm-hmm. kind of red brick down in an old yeah, warehouse district, right, right in the middle of the downtown, gray mm-hmm. view of the mountains. You know, it's kind of like we suffer awesome. from the Wrigley Field phenomenon, which is like they right. just open up the stadium and people want to drink and have fun. So they don't never exactly. really cared about the quality of the products on the field. But right. much like the Cubs having turned it around, we're, uh, we're doing just that. Awesome. Well, um, I had told us. Yeah, uh, I love, I love the Rockies. Well, I hope they do it. I, who's their arch rival? You know, we the Yankees, we have the Red Sox, and uh, basically everybody hates the Yankees who's not a Yankee fan. But who's the arch rivals for the Rockies? Is it the Dodgers? You know, we find ourselves – for me, it's the Dodgers. I really hate the Dodgers. But the Diamondbacks <laughs> and the Rockies uh, are, are always kind of in the contention for the same spot. So it's probably between the Diamondbacks and the Rocks. We don't have the history cool. with the Dodgers. Cool. Uh, they, they haven't, you know yeah. what, with the Rockies, I, they haven't really changed their uniforms in all those years. They've got the purple and black thing going and the pinstripes. They still have the pinstripes? Yeah, my wife hates the purple so much. She's like, it's such a stupid color. They've got to change the purple. But I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you just stick with those bad decisions for too long. I know. It's amazing. And you go, Purple you know, Mountain's majesty, I guess. I, I guess. But it's not bad. It's cool. Nobody has it. So, you know, I think the Diamondbacks were doing a little purple thing for a while. So I'm glad the Rockies held on because the Diamondbacks, one of those teams that changes a lot. It's like the Padres, you go out there and one thing they have all over the Yankees, the Yankees have their uniform. That's it. And you love the pinstripes or, or not. You go out to the to the Padres, it's like they have their brown uniform. They have their brown and yellow uniform. They have their blue and oh, yeah. orange pinstripe uniform. They have their blue navy type uniform. They're, they have so much merchandise, and it's great. It's all beautiful, but the team sucks. I know. They got really good design. My, we were watching the Rockies play the Padres the other night. My, mom, my wife was like, look at how many hats are behind the home plate. There's 25 yeah. different Padres hats like, yeah. right in there. I guess it's, if you don't exactly. have a good team, you just got to sell the merch. Yep, yep, and they do a hell of a job. Well, let's let's talk about um before you got on the air, I was talking about uh kind of life and death and everything in between and uh my dad passed. Um you went on a journey. Let's t- let's start here. I I when I read sure. your book, what I found so amazing about it is that, you know, you're you're a comic at heart and part of comedy, correct me if I'm wrong, there's kind of an attacking aspect of it, not in a negative way, but you you know pick at things and that's kind of what comics do. They point things out. And um, at the beginning, I could feel the acerbic wit in there. And then as I got deeper and deeper into the book, you kind of opened up um, spiritually, if you will, quote unquote. And I was saying that a lot of guys, this is Guys Guys Radio, and it's kind of, uh, it's not like the man show necessarily with beer and boobs and baseball, but all that stuff is great. But we try to do a little more because I think today's guys um, are seeking. And uh, some of them don't know what they're seeking, but- they're seeking beyond what they've been told they're supposed to be satisfied with, which is the job, the paycheck and the mortgage, and then the heart attack. And they want something different now. Exactly. And, uh, I, it seemed like for me, when you went through you, you're writing this book must've been very cathartic, cathartic for you. And you seem to kind of open up, uh, and I'll say spiritually in quotes, towards the end of the book with uh, this woman, Maggie, and the fact that you kind of saw your sister, um, personified, if you will, with this hawk, and also just kind of uh, felt like you could communicate with her. Now, I lost my dad in February, and as I was telling the audience earlier, is that um, I feel just as close now because we had a chance, unlike yourself, we had a chance for closure at the end of his life. He had Parkinson's, time together at the end, and it was peaceful, 
And um, I gave him a eulogy. The rest of my family was a little bit. It was the, 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 the process itself was chaotic. My family is like emotionally constipated. So I was out there crying and everything. And other, everybody else was like, they didn't know what to talk about or whatever. But I got past that. And then I feel a really good bond with my dad. He's, he's not here physically, but I feel like he's checking me out. And he's, he's, he's looking after my mom also. And I can tap into him uh, when I want to. That's a lot that good. I just said. That's great. Help me. I'm glad. I'm glad. No, I'm glad you're there. That's beautiful. Help me with um, what happened on your journey because basically what uh, what happened for you it seems like you were on the ascent and you are on the ascent with your career and congratulations it's like I can totally relate to what you're doing except I'm not where you are but you're doing great and the the work is terrific you. and you're giving back through teaching and as you're ascending your sister is kind of uh, descending in her own personal way and really has to get out of here has to get out of this 3D yeah. life. And uh, she does at the yeah. same time that you kind of break through and get your uh, TV show, Those Who Can't, which is on True TV, second or third season starting now. What, tell, tell us about that journey and what inspired you, Adam, to write this book. And what, what did you get out of the experience of writing this book? Because I think, man, I think you got a lot out of it. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. I mean, for me, it was I was so close with Lydia, and a lot of our relationship was humor. And we found our senses of humor together. And as I started doing comedy, she started helping out. She was running the door at shows. She's making flyers. She's helping me go over my bits, you know, stuff you would only do with a comic. But she's my little sister, and she's hilarious, and she had good suggestions. So we were very intimate comedically. And she was really supportive and watching me rise. And, you know, then she she took her own life right when things were really going great for me and I had this big career break of going to Montreal and being in this just for laughs uh, comedy thing which is it's like being drafted into the NFL it's a big yeah. deal in and, comedy and, and like, you found her hey you're one of the yeah yeah I did and and everything that I thought I cared about went out the window all that mm -hmm. comedy stuff just disappeared completely and I couldn't care less about any of it and I didn't feel funny and I didn't feel like getting on stage anymore. And yet for eight years, this has been what I'd been doing. And, you know, with a blind passion doing it and getting some success. And now right at the peak of that, I could care less. So, you know, it's one of those things. It's like life kind of tends to remind you what's actually important in that moment. And so when Lydia was gone, you know, I spent a month or so in bed and then you start putting one foot in front of the other. And I just kind of wanted to, to keep going forward. And I didn't feel like doing comedy. So I just started writing about what happened to me because I need to process things creatively because I'm mm -hmm. vain sure. like that. And uh, so I just started writing. Good. And it also felt like there, I discussed it. It's not something I'm not talking about there. I wrote about it. And I, I just kept doing the form of articles and stuff. And then eventually literary agents like, you should write a book about this. And I was like, you're totally right. And I did. And I think, as you said, I, it really, really helped me process a lot of it. A lot of the book was just dealing with it myself. I didn't write this to help other people. I'm glad that it has, but I wrote mm -hmm. it to help myself. And so I think there's an honesty that, that rings true in that. Yeah, you know, when you help yourself, though, um, you help other people. Um, you can't really help, help other people if you don't have, you know, if you're not helping yourself. Uh, um, I do hypnosis and I do Reiki, and uh, we work on ourselves all the time, and we're encouraged to because the better we are, the better off the, better off the vibe's going to be for, for everybody else. And when people have a good vibe, then other people that, that you affect 10 times that amount of people that you're around. So, there's nothing wrong with working on yourself, in my opinion. And I, I just saw yeah. and felt your journey when you went through this, Adam. And, you know, particularly being in a tough business like you're in and very super competitive, that there was a lot of touching aspects to um, your un, unfolding uh, and, and opening your arms by the end of the book. That I didn't, uh, I, as well, I told the audience before, that you get the ending that you want in a way that you don't expect, like a real good story always does. Oh, wow. I love that. Thank you. I think a goal of mine was 
you know, I, I wanted to do a nice tribute to my little sister. I didn't want the book to be doom and gloom because she was amazing and I miss her. But I also wanted mm-hmm. to heal myself a little bit through it. But I, I, a real big goal for me, and I told the publisher this, I was like, if you guys are expecting a clean landing on this thing, then I'm the wrong author for you. Like, there's not going to be a, and now I'm healed, and here's how I did it. Right. I just feel like a lot of these approaches to mental illness and suicide and depression mm-hmm. are self-helpy and cheesy. Yeah. And I thought the only thing that I could contribute is sheer honesty, mm-hmm. whether that's confusing or whether the message I have changes or I reach new realizations, all I can do is share it honestly. And I think if anything that people are responding to, it's that it all comes at you at the same time, the, the tragedy, the humor, the death, the <laughs> gallows jokes. It's all mm-hmm. happens in one messy experience. That no, very authentic. to be through. Mm-hmm. Very authentic. And so do you funny. now, uh, now that you know, there's been some time, um, how 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 is your and I'm not saying this to be glib or anything, but your relationship, if you will, with your sister? Are you um, vibing with her in any way? Not in any way that kind of discusses the spiritual clinic. Mm-hmm. Now, when I see as as people read the book, will know like when I see a red-tailed hawk, I, I kind of just I, you know it's like a little pat on the head from the spirits beyond, and I just appreciate it. But I don't feel it like profoundly. Honestly, the Got place it. I reached mm-hmm. through writing the book was I let go of um, I let go of guilt. I let go of anger. Mm-hmm. Landed at Miss Turn being sad, and that's how it's always going to be. So I was glad I could get rid of some of the more negative ways I was feeling about everything. Cool. Well, it's a great book, Tragedy and Time. Um, tragic comic memoir, Adam, Kate, and Holland. Do you mind if we talk a little bit about comedy? Uh, I think we've got... No, I love to talk comedy. Okay. Um, What do you think about, and I'm just going to throw some random stuff at you, you know, about, you know, Louis C.K. coming back so soon and a lot of these things happening within the show business where you've got some guys with the, you know, the me too, the bad behavior and everything. As somebody who's uh, kind of in the business... Um, what's, what's your sense of what's going on? How do you look at all of that? And what's your take on it? I think it's all so important and necessary, and I'm glad it's happening. Um, Louis getting back on stage, that's his right, but I feel like he needed to address it, and he didn't. <laughs> and he just mm-hmm. got back on stage like nothing happened nine months later. And, uh, you know, a lot of those women whose careers he scared away aren't getting back on stage so I don't – I think the Me Too movement is fantastic, and I'm mm-hmm. all for it. Yeah, me too. Um, Overdue. I think – yep. I, I, I was uh, – you know, I was just starting I, my, my book that started this whole guy's guy thing called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, and it's about two men in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. And it's really about one guy writing about his friend who's a total womanizer, and, uh, and it gives a peek behind the tent as to here's how guys really are. And a lot of people call, call it like the male sex in the city. And I was writing the sequel to it. And then I stopped when the Me Too thing happened. I'm like, this is not the right time for this because a lovable womanizer, um, people aren't, that's not in the culture. That's not on the radar right now. So I stopped and I'm actually working on a nonfiction book, um, but I will get back to it. I want to take a year off. And I think what I like to tell people who ask and what I want to do for myself is just listen because I was unaware of the overwhelming statistics that, you know, women have to go through this crap and how, how much they've gone through in the past and how much you're still going through now. And even now there's backlash against the me too. And of course there's going to be some mistakes and uh, made, and there have been, but uh, you know, uh, overall guys like, listen, listen to and empathize with what's going on with women. Uh, how do you, how do you talk to women and do you d- deal with any of this in your act at all, Adam? Uh, I don't, first of all, I just want to say what you just said was awesome. Like the fact that you tabled this project cause you thought it might mm-hmm. not be culturally sensitive right now and you'll get back to it if you want, but you'll, you're doing something else in between. Like yeah. every artist out there needs to hear that. It's not like, yeah. oh, is me. I can't sell my project because the timing's not right. No, I'm going to listen for a while and revisit like Bravo. Yeah. That's a really good response. Me too. Love story uh-huh. is going to be so. There you go, man. And and it'll be better for having listened and let the moment play out a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just try 
I don't, I don't have me too jokes. I don't like break down this, this movement in my act. I think the, I just try to, you know, be the change. I try to, if I have mm-hmm. any jokes that are offensive or triggering, I try to ask myself, why am I telling these? And am I subverting anything? And I'm, am I taking any power away from the real boogie monster in this joke? If I'm just doing it for cheap shock value, then I toss it out. And I feel like Got prior it. to me too or not, good comics should have been doing this anyway. Ask yourself why you're telling these jokes and who is the sacred cow that you're slaughtering. Because if you're just trying to be a kid with a foul mouth pushing buttons, you're probably not that good a comic. Mm-hmm. How did you? Uh, how did you, for your first uh, time on stage, uh, decide on the material, and then moving forward now, how do you? Uh, what What inspires you to uh, look at different categories of material, whether it's you know, marriage or having you have three dogs or the Rockies or what, uh, travel. And how do you, how do you decide and how did you originally decide on stuff? And then how do you decide now? Well, originally it's so funny. You just go through the hacky tropes. Here's my name. I, I look like this, you know, just like the obvious mm-hmm. stuff. I grew up, uh, my dad was Jewish. My mom was Christian. Here's a joke about that. Like, you know, it's Got just it. like sort of who you are. Now I don't, I used to force it. I don't force it now. Like I just jot down notes in my phone that I'm like, that could be something. And then I'll trot them out on stage. Um, and it's a lot of just life. Like my wife's pregnant and we're having a baby in November. Congrats. So it's Congrats. like, awesome. what, do, what do you think? Yeah. Thank you. So I got, I got lots of baby stuff. I got lots of pregnant wife stuff. I got taken. We're taking a hypnotherapy birthing class. I'm like, okay, this is a field day. Well, I got a five-year-old. I got to tell you, Adam, you think you got material now. Just wait. Since I caught my son and I'm an older dad, I caught him and like he is kicking my ass and uh, it's puke (laughs) and it's the three P's, puke and poop. And it just then their cultural stuff keeps changing. You go from Thomas the Train to Team Umizumi and you'll if you don't know these guys, you will. And now it's Captain Underpants. And uh, it's just <laughs> one thing after the other. And every time you think you got something figured out, something new comes along. And these kids, t- the kids today, the, the new generation, they have their shit together like we never have. Oh, yeah. They are my zen. going to wreck my world. <laughs> so, so, yeah, well, you you see, know, the Pelton, three P's. You, yep. Comedy gold. <laughs> so, uh What's been your biggest thrill? I know you had, uh, you know, you've had, you had your own podcast. Um, you were on uh, WTF, Marin's show. You were on Corden. You were on Conan. You have your TV show series now, uh, Those Who Can't. What's kind of, uh, where are the sparkles for you and what's next? Well, you know, what's next is like the kid. And I, like I was saying earlier, I like when life pops up and reminds you what's really important. So I'm really proud of my career and I've got all sorts of stuff planned, but like, I love that. I got a baby that's about to be like, Oh, you want to write a movie too bad. You're going to clean his diaper. Like I kind of like when life tells you what really matters. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, it's like, I like that I can share the stuff that I'm nerd about, like the Rockies and I like bird watching and like the Rockies and I now have a relationship and Mm -hmm. this guy reached out to me and he's like, Hey, I actually hunt with Falcons. Would you like to go falconing? I'm like, yeah, dude. So I just love, I love that. Like you can put this stuff out into the world that you're just a geek about and, and that people respond and then you get to have cool experiences like that. So to me, that's a real connection and, and uh, just a nice little perk of being somewhat in the public eye. Um, It's kind of a two part question. I'm fascinated by, you know, the Denver comedy scene because I've never, you know, I think I was in, the, in Denver once. Uh, and actually, I was in Aspen twice for the uh, Food and Wine Festival when I was in advertising. And oh, cool. Beautiful, beautiful area. And, uh, you know, we met a lot of these, you know, Food Network chefs and all and ate with them and, uh, before they were that big a deal. But beautiful, you know, country there and everything. But I never thought of it like, oh, this is a comedy, a, a comedy hotbed. And it, and it is. Um, so what, what, what's it like, the Denver comedy scene? And um, how, do you, how do you teach comedy to uh, your students? Um, well, I don't do that. I don't, I don't teach comedy. The only comedy advice I have is go hit open mics. It's unteachable until you just try it. Um, it's, like, it's like riding a bike. You just got to get that kid on the bike. 
you can talk about it as long as you're not teaching my kids on the bike. Um, but there's this comedy club called Comedy Works, which has been here mm-hmm. for 30 plus years. And it's like top five comedy club in the country. Like Chappelle's always dropping in. Lots of great artists have recorded albums here. And I think out of that stems this culture of respect for comedy that's in the city. It's just kind of known that comedy happens in Denver downtown at the school club. Um, okay. I also think it kind of is like you hear about Chicago being a second city, you know, right, and right. like Chicago being so funny because it's more pure because it's not in the industry of New York and L.A. You know, right. Denver, that's twice as true for if not mm-hmm. 10 times. And so in these less, you know, Atlanta's got a really good comedy scene. Austin really? and Seattle have had really strong comedy scenes. Cool. So I think that that there's this this tier of lower cities it's, you know, and the internet connects everybody. Everybody sees every comic. So it's no longer like you got to be in New York close to the club that Jerry Seinfeld's performing at to understand comedy. It's everywhere now. It's on the internet. Everybody knows it. So these little DIY indie scenes have sprung up everywhere that are so fun and interesting. And I, I think Denver is really a strong example of that. Okay, uh, last question for you, then I'll let you uh, tell us about where, where you're going to be and where people can find you in the book. But um, you, you have a lot of pieces to your platform, and I'm, I'm asking you for my own sake and also for the audience, uh, a lot of people, creative people out there. I did a novel, then I did my blog based on the novel, and then Guys Guys Radio, and now we'll keep expanding. And I've got a screenplay based on the book. I've got a TV series, a treatment, and a pilot based on the book. My writing partner is now, he just signed uh, to write James Sanger's next movie. Um, he's, he's on a second movie and he's in the Writers Guild now. So things are percolating and the footprint's get, getting bigger. But you had, you know, you had a podcast and you, then you got, you got on TV. You had your web series and then you got on True TV. You have all these pieces to your platform. Could you tell us a little bit about that process, kind of what you learned, some of the pitfalls, and what was really the most important things that you did to really push you through? Oh, man. Um, I, guess, I guess the main lesson I have is, like, truly, it's, it sounds cliche to say, but it's DIY, and it's just do it yourself. Like, my friends and I, nobody told me how to do comedy. I just started doing comedy, and, like, then mm-hmm. I wasn't getting enough stage time, so I started my own shows. And then no one told me how to do sketches. I didn't know how to edit. Started making them and getting college to how to edit and could help us make it look better and better. And so eventually we did that web series. We got full ten. But I feel like a lot of spend waste a lot of time being afraid of the process and being like, mm-hmm. I could never write a script or I could never film a TV pilot. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, neither did anybody until they just tried. And their mm-hmm. first effort probably terrible but maybe their 15th was good. So I just mm-hmm. feel like there's a lot, a big culture of fear, like, oh, man, this isn't for me. This is, I need some cultural tastemaker to allow me to do this. And you don't. Right. Now more than mm-hmm. ever, you don't. you got a camera on your cell phone. So it's like go make it and realize it might be crappy, but get better at it. Nobody ever is just instantly good. And so I've just kind of ran with that as a mantra from book writing to TV making to comedy, it's just like, I'm smart. I'll figure it out. And uh, and I'll definitely do it myself. And then if people want to help me later on, fine, but no one's going to help you immediately. So you might as well do it yourself. Yep. Wow. That's uh, inspiring and wise words. Thank you so much for that, Adam. Um, Let's uh, tell the audience where they can find you. What's coming up for you? Are you going to do any appearances? Are you going to do any stand-up? Um, when's the new show, uh, season three, start? And where can they get the book and your website? All right. All right. Well, I'm hitting the road a little bit. I, uh, where am I going? Going to Minnesota. I'll be in Minnesota on uh, September 21st. Be in San Diego October 5th and 6th and 7th. Uh, be in Colorado October 3rd, Headlining Comedy Works. I got all this stuff on my website, adamcatonholland.com. The book's everywhere. Season three is coming later this year on True TV. And if you haven't seen season one or two of those who can't, um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty biased, but I think they're great. <laughs> yep. Uh, so give them a whirl. And uh, yeah, right. I just, I really appreciate you having me on, man. I, I, thanks for helping me to spread the word and, and for reading the book. 
Uh, my pleasure. You know, one of the things I like to do to differentiate myself from a lot of other podcast hosts is like I do everything. I'm bootstrapping a lot of it. And I've been discovered now by all these publicists sending me all I have stacks of books and, you know, requests lined up now, which is great. And I'm pouring through them. But I really do my very best to read if even if I have to power read people's books to get ready, because I feel it's just it creates a more uh, authentic conversation instead of just throwing out the usual prattle out there. And I think the guests appreciate that. And I'm really here to, uh, you know, to help the guests. If I have somebody on, that means I believe in what they're doing and I want to get the word out there for them. So thank you. It's been my pleasure and it's really nice getting to know you and I hope we can stay in touch. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks. Thank you for putting the time. I love this interview. Thanks for asking smart questions. Appreciate that. Cool. All right. Thanks so much, Adam. Everybody, this is uh, Adam Caton Holland. It's not Adam Clayton Holland. It's Adam Caton Holland. And the book is Tragedy and Time, a Tragic Comic Memoir. And it's really terrific. So thank you, Adam. Good luck with the Rockies. Maybe we'll see you in the World Series. Now we're talking. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. Thanks again. All right. Okay, folks. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll wrap up. The Guy's Guy Radio. Okay, so I'm glad you hung in there with us today. We, uh, you know, a little bit at the beginning, we had trouble uh, uh, getting our guest on, and it was not our guest's fault. There was some mess up with the uh, with uh, the me- mechanism, if you will, to get him on. So. Uh, we, I think we had a great talk and I really like what he's doing and I think he's a great guy. So, and he's a guy's guy. So thanks so much, Adam, Kate and Holland. And thank you, my audience for hanging in there with me as always, as we continue to thrive and grow, we're going to be back on Sunday night um, for our second show. We do two shows a week. My guest is, is reaching for his book here on my, panel here uh an outlaw makes it home an awakening of the spiritual revolutionary and this guy's name is eli jackson bear he's pretty cool dude and he's going to help as you know when i talk about men and seeking and being exposed to different things and different ways of seeing the world and learning and opening up and uh, he's going to be here to talk about that stuff with us so thanks so much uh for listening to guys guys radio and we'll see you on sunday and as i always like to say guys guys Finish first.